With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, when that thing comes on and says talk shoe recorded live, can you guys hear that or is it just me? I can hear I can, it. Yeah, I can hear it. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just me or if everybody could hear it. So sorry I'm late. I was on a business call. I was doing mm-hmm. stuff, doing military stuff. Cool. So how was everyone this morning? I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes while I make my coffee. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had to take a Benadryl last night, and I feel like my head is floating. I'm hoping that the coffee is going to help before my very long day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes while I make a bunch of noise over here. Good morning. My week was good. How was yours? Um, my gosh, what has happened since last time we talked? No, it was good. I got a lot of stuff done. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff done. I'm sitting here in my office looking at what looks like a mess, but by the end of the day tomorrow, it'll, all the cats will be herded back into order. <laughs> Contracts and paperwork and uh, so my least favorite part of putting on an event contracts and paperwork but the cost of doing business so yeah so it's it's been all right it's been good I'm glad to have the tax stuff done and don't have to look at it and so so good oh good I was actually just on the phone with a service member he's told me use the phrase service member instead of soldier so because um, soldier really is specifically directed towards the army. I don't know if anyone else knew that, but I did not. So, <laughs> so he's like, well, I would suggest service member because that's more inclusive of all the branches of the military. I was like, good to know. Because I told him, like, you know, just, just change, you know, like there's way more stuff I don't know about the military than I know. So uh, just... Correct me at any turn. I'm open to it. So, the service member. That's the phrase to use when speaking of the collective branches of the military. So, so yeah, productive. I'm productive. And you? Did you, all, did you get all your tax stuff done and everything? Yep. Um, I'm just going to do one more review this uh, this morning and then click e-file. 
No. I actually, yeah, I I finished them, but um, then uh, I went and <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Anyway, I finished I finished them, and then I uh, I went out and enjoyed life over the weekend. We had a, a beautiful weather. So I left, I left them, and then yesterday I had a bunch of orders. Oh, I had a milestone. Um, I hit a thousand sales in my online shop. Nice, awesome! Yay. Congratulations! Thank you. I had more sales in the last year and a half than I have in the whole previous like six and a half years combined. Boom, shakalaka, laka. Mm-hmm. So, right? So all this work that I've been doing on, you know, search engine optimization and the like, it's um, it's definitely paid off. Love it. Yeah, it's great. That's exciting. I think you got to try a lot of things to find out what really works. Just in business in general. Yep. Innovation is definitely a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta stay on that innovation train. Mm -hmm. And for my... I don't remember what it was. Christmas, my birthday, something. My daughter bought us tickets to Comic-Con again. Oh, fun. Yeah, cause I, I got us in last year, and so we were kind of like on the roster for being able to register. I mean, we still had to go into a bit of a lottery, but we got in again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, it was on my mind just because I got an email from them saying, update your address. So... Um, where we're going to send your badge. So, And since we didn't know what the heck we were getting into last year, now we know this year we have to look at the schedule in advance of who's going to be where on the day we're there because we're only going for one day and make sure that we get to those because, like, you can really hear some – we heard a great panel discussion for a show midnight – I don't remember it – midnight something. Um, And I watched a few episodes of the show, and it was fascinating to hear the – the cast talk about it. It was really fun, actually. So um, I was just sitting here thinking, ooh, working out the logistics. So I'm, I'm putting it out there to the universe that I would like to be able to use this path to go to Comic-Con, even though I'm no longer living in California. So there you go. Ooh, neat. I'm putting that, putting that, that hippy-dippy juju out there. Oh, cool. In front of witnesses. How, how much does that cost? <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's reasonable. I want to say it's like $75 a day or something like that. Uh-huh. $75 per day per person. So, I mean, it's not, not cheap, but it's not like totally undoable. So, but it's just, since I'm not living there, it's flying in and getting a car and hotel and so it exponentially changes things not living there 
Oh, because it's in San Diego. Oh. You know, I've never been. If it ends up you can't use your ticket, which I'm sure you will be able to use your ticket. But I've never been. Okay. Well, you have to show your ID and your ID. <laughs> Oh, uh, so Comic-Con ID plus your, plus your um, driver's license ID, and they have to match. So. Oh, so it's non-transferable, huh? No, you can't. And they're real sticklers about it, too. <laughs> they, like, it's posted everywhere. They let you know. They send it to you in all the emails. So if I could transfer it to you, I totally would because it's a fun time. Just... But, you know, what I would say is if you just want to be in the spirit of it, you can just go down where the convention center is, and there is people all over the place. There's all kinds right. of stuff going on, just, you know, like out on the streets and in the lobby and stuff. And, you know, like if somebody just wanted to have a bunch of interesting pictures, we just went and hung around down there at the convention center. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I saw the Batmobile down there just driving down the street. So, like, yeah, there's... There's lots of fun to be had and pictures and all that stuff if you wanted. Oh, that's so. such a good idea. Sorry, I'm like, it's like somebody staring at your food. <laughs> Are you going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't stick your fork on her plate. That's the worst. I always try to stab those people's hands. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to look longingly, but keep your damn fork away, you know? Yeah. I know. I actually, I used to date a guy who hated to have anybody, like, take anything off his plate, but would always take the first bite off of my plate. And I'm like, dude, like, what the... You don't want me to take that take food off your plate, but you always want to take the first bite off of mine. And he's like, "Well, yeah, I mean, like, so wrong on so many levels." <laughs> so, I used to tease him and pretend I was going to stab him in the hand, but I never had. I, I'm, I didn't have the, I didn't have a killer instinct with him to be able to do it. Like, uh, it's food. Now. Well, with the exception of don't touch my Cheetos. <laughs> touch my Cheetos and you'll die. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Amanda, how was your week? You were in retreat, right? Yeah. I was trying to find a... Uh, I watched this video this morning, but I feel like we should all look at together. Because it really does describe how I'm feeling. <laughs> oh, my God. I could give you just a quick summary. It's a few minutes, but it's pretty fucking funny. Someone told me, someone was shared it to my timeline and was like, have you seen this one? And I, like, I'm sitting here before my coffee, like, laughing and crying and raging. Because... <laughs> It's about a little caterpillar who can't fit into his own cocoon, which, by the way, caterpillars make their cocoons. They don't try to fit in them, but that's a funny plot, Lawrence plot, right? So let's just go with that. 
So he's too fat to fit into his cocoon. So his buddies try to help him fit into the cocoon. And they try everything. They try pushing and squeezing and shoving. And part of him pops out of the side of the cocoon and they shove him back in. And then they sit there and they try to get him hung up on a branch. And then they get stuck. Until he emerges as a butterfly. And it's so beautiful. And it's like, wow, the whole problem is over. And then a bird snatches him out of the air. (laughs) And I feel like I have been watching that for years. And this last week, it has been in high definition. And I am so pissed. But I think I might use that for the blog. (laughs) That video really shows what happens. Wait, what happens at the end? I think I missed something. Say it again. He he finally gets, he emerges from his cocoon, and it's like an awe-inspiring moment, right? He, like, opens his wings, and his friends are like, wow. And he starts to fly, and a bird snatches him out of the air. <laughs> Kills him and flies off after all the work. After all the work, then he becomes bird bait. Aww. And I feel like I'm just really tired. I'm tired of watching people be bird bait. That's what it amounts to. Aww. Yeah. So last week was really, um, it was good in a lot of ways, and it was uncomfortable as usual. Um, I had someone at my retreat who's very, uh, let's use the word mindful. Um, although it's still, it still has the energy of, I don't want to say neuroses or something, you know, like she's just, she's been, she's hung out with so many um, gurus and such that, you know, take uh, take a lot of money, don't give a lot of value, and then take all the credit when she actually accomplishes something. Mm. But that's how it, it boils down, really. So um, not only was I in the middle of, um, you know, just trying to be really like, it's just my own next level of cleanliness, right? Um, and mindfulness around that whole thing, but just being really uh, in that conversation for a week about how do we, what's our responsibility and what can we do about this craziness that's happening in our industry and can we call people out or, you know, because she's like, how do I write this book without calling specific people out? You know, that's a big question because everyone knows who she's worked with. Um, so it was just a big conversation all week. And then on Friday I had, I told Cheryl I had a client uh, choose to um, pay another guru a lot more money um, for her advice and connections, but she decided to stop pouring money into a good product, 
like a book. And so, um, you know, this whole piece about, and I, I was just thinking about it this morning too, on email come in, I asked one of my previous clients um, who, you know, wrote the book, was really excited about her brand, and then life happened, right? Like, she had to go back and kind of work on some stuff, and um, she knows she's rebranded like two or three times, and I keep asking, like, what's the rebrand about, you know? Like, this is such, this is so aligned with who you are and your story, and she's like, well, someone said that I'm just, I'm not making money because my brand isn't right. I'm like, what? (laughs) I think it's because you're not selling anything. I'm just saying, like, there's work to be done. Like, these people are just like, well, you know, if you just change this and this, you know, you'll make a ton of money. And so people keep paying for that and that and using all of their resources to do that, and then they don't have any, they don't have the energy left. Like, what are they selling? Anyway, that's my rant. I'm I'm in it, man. I'm like, I'm super raged out to the point that last night my dryer broke and my stupid landlord, who we've told like two or three times and didn't even have the decency to say, hey, it's tax season and I'm overwhelmed. Can I get back to you in a week? Oh, no. He just ignored us. So I was at the, <laughs> at the laundromat until 10.30 last night trying to get laundry done. And um, and now I'm curling dirty hair for <laughs> the shows that I have to do today. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I just, uh, yeah, can't make it up. It's like a amazing recipe to help me get to this next level, but whatever that is going to be. So I'm just, I'm just tired of seeing people pummeled up full. And I'm tired of seeing the people who are pummeling them, making all the money. And then when I have conversations with people, they're like, oh, well, someone just said I should really work on my brand before I come work with you. I'm like, fuck, that is what we do. (laughs) Sure, go spend $20,000 with them and then come work on your story and realize that you have the wrong brand and then you can go back and spend 20 more thousand dollars with them. That's a better plan for sure. Do that. I'm like that, ladies. I'm sorry. I don't have better news. <laughs> oh, hey, I guess I do have good news. <laughs> you what? Ryan has, I do have good news. Ryan, Ryan has a job that he really likes in the industry that he really likes. And uh, he's working on um, he is uh, you know, he's got all of the, like, I haven't had to deal with people in 20 years on a regular basis, crap coming up, but he's not running. Yeah. So. yeah. Good. 
Yeah, because he's going to have that anywhere. So that's what I told him. Yep. Like, he's like, it's special in Portland, though. Like I'm like, yeah. Well, Portland weird isn't just a catchphrase. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a it's a consciousness. It's a cloud that hangs over this place. It's weird. <laughs> yes, and they're proud. And Portland is proud of it. They're proud yeah. of being weird. It's a, it's they weird. are definitely proud of being weird. Well, well I'm going to say that. Um, so, Amanda, I just want to offer you some support. That would be frustrating for me, too. And, you know, I don't have any words of wisdom for you other than I heard you. You have my support, and I can see why it would be frustrating. So I don't – I wish I had something better to give you, but that's what I got, girl. <laughs> okay, thank you. That's what I got. So. Sometimes stuff is just weird to steal Portland's phrase, weird. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's all perspective, right? I'm at the laundromat, I'm super pissed, and then, you know, three homeless people walk by, and I'm just like, okay, <sighs> these are first world problems. Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, I just got and, off the phone with, the, you know, military personnel who's, you know, suffering from PTSD from being over in Iraq. So that's, you know, for me, that's totally the upside of working on this project I'm working on is whatever kind of shittiness I think I'm in, it ain't that. You know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the repercussions of, you know, suicide bombers coming at me and, you know, the lasting effect of not being able to be around, you know, a group of people and not be worried that somebody's trying to blow me up that somebody could be standing right next to me and have a bomb taped to them and going to be blowing me up, you know? Like, that's, that's like, whoa. I mean, when he was telling me that this morning, I was like, shoot. That's like a whole other level of I don't know what. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's perspective. And also, you know, frustration is frustration and pain is pain. You know, whatever level you're at in the world, it doesn't mean we don't feel it. So, it's the balance of recognizing it and then, like you're saying, you know, being able to look at it and right-size it for ourselves and go, okay, you know what, this is, like, really, like, frustrating. And then also, like, at least for today, we have a roof over our heads, you know. So I totally get that. I totally get that. It is kind of crazy to me that she had all the signs of PTSD. Like, she literally... This this client, when we were working through the story, like she she literally has been diagnosed with PTSD over this. Like that's yeah. how bad it got. <laughs> so it's crazy, but yeah, I'm. It also gave me. It also brought. You know, because I, I told you we worked with the same person, right? So it also showed me how blessed I was through that whole thing, Um, you know, because even though I was caught up in that world and, you know, lost a lot of, I don't know, (laughs) uh, money and trust and all that, um, 
I still the whole time had Ursula in my world as the opposite possibility, you know? Yeah. And I made a lot of decisions because she, I made a lot of much better decisions than I could have because she was in my ear saying, yeah, but do you really want to do that? No, I don't. Okay, let's figure out how to, like, accomplish that, but in the way that you like, you know? So it was like last week, as much as I could empathize, I also was just feeling tremendous amount of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when I was at the retreat last week, there was someone who was really, you know, suffering. And, you know, at some point I finally understood what was happening because it just, I mean, it presented like somebody who was really on the brink of like having a a, a psychotic break. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. like a, and um, and so what I, you know, ultimately as things unfolded, I realized, no, it's somebody who's suffering severely from having grown up in a violent alcoholic home, and so actually asking to have their needs met was a foreign concept to them, regardless of the fact that they were 50 years old. They didn't have the skills to do it, and it was terrifying. And so her whole body literally physically shook every mm. time she tried to use her voice and ask for something, which was only a few times, but, you know, and so um, and so her body shook, and, you know, a lot of it she did in, like, an angry way, an aggressive way because she didn't know how to do it. And so, you know, I know for me when I first started doing it, you know, it wasn't very graceful. And, and I'm a lot I'm a, I'm a lot more skilled at being able to do it now, um, but in the beginning I wasn't. So once once I could see that, then I could go okay and have compassion for it. And you know, so yeah, I mean it's you know it's hard to see people in pain. And you know, interestingly, right? That's what this chapter nine in the book is talking about. You know, not to talk. It's you know talk that builds. And basically, you know, it's telling us not to. You know, not to give credence to poverty and, you know, and the struggle, basically, because it's, that's, it's, you know, something that creates difficulty. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty, like, this is, he is brash. I don't know mm-hmm. what other words to use for it. He is freaking brash in this chapter, which is kind of fun. And also, like, you know, like I feel like I've had some sponsorship that was like this for me in my life. Like I feel like I've had some sponsors in the program that were like, that's what this chapter reminds me of. I was like, oh, this is what it was like when I had good sponsors that was like, yeah, don't be laying it on other people. Like, you know, this is what what am I doing about it? And, you know, and like the first thing I have underlined is into, it's on the second page of my book intellectual laziness is what keeps the masses down yeah those who work hard and willingly in other ways shrink from the effort of sustained and consecutive thinking and because they let other people do their thinking for them they are slaves like that you know and this was at a time when you know slavery was not exactly like this was a ballsy thing for him to say at that Mm -hmm. point in time I, I think, you know. 
So sure. And that's the you know, I feel like I'm I'm responding not just to this all this personal stuff, but all the stuff that's going on in the world with the Me Too stuff and like have you seen what yeah. what happened with Tony Robbins? I didn't hear what happened. Oh boy, yeah. <sighs> Oh, no, oh. do I want to know? Do we want to talk about it now? Maybe. <laughs> I maybe just look not. it up online. You could. Basically, he's a thought leader who, it appears, from what I've seen in the video, it looks like he was trying to make an important point, but because he has such aggressive energy and his shtick is all about pushing people into their greatness, right? Like, that's, yeah. Seriously, if you saw a freaking video of him, why did you expect him to be any different when you showed up to his event? He does oh, not yeah. play any different. He's the same guy. He's so, a very intense personality. Very he's much so. very intense. So he made a comment about the Me Too movement and how um, women, um, you know, of course he made, he made way too, like, it was too much of a generalization. So he made mistakes, but, like, it doesn't matter what he was trying to say because people are so pissed at everything that he did wrong. Does that make sense? Like, let's just destroy him because he's like every other man, quote unquote, instead of saying, I wonder if there was any bit of, like, why would he say something like that in such a hot issue right now? You know, that, that, thinking thing that you're talking about while those bottles, like the laziness. It's lazy. These women are getting, I mean, all of the posts and videos and it's lazy. It's lazy intellect is what it is. There's no, and. Wait, wait, who are you saying? Wait, who are you saying is lazy? The people who are defaming him. He was lazy too. I'm not, I'm not saying that he did everything right. I'm saying that the man had a point, and all these. The, there's one lady in particular in the the um, the 108 who's a psychologist, and she wrote this open letter, and I was just like, okay, like people don't change when they're attacked, right? Like that's not the energy of we really want change. That's not. And if you're a psychologist, you know you can't go at a person and expect long-term change. In fact, you if they're a bully, you can expect to be slapped down, <laughs> right? This is basic psychology. So I just look at it and I'm like, hey, everyone has a good point, but no one's listening to each other. They're just taking sound bites and turning them into pieces of their argument. And that's what I think this whole piece about the intellectual laziness, you know, it's intellectual laziness. And now we have that in the face of like all this um, you know, be careful what you say that's going on, you know. Like, publicly, it's hard to say anything without people getting super triggered. So maybe we should all just stop talking about it, you know. No, that's not really my answer, but that seems to be, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I'm a flawless on it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, the, I haven't seen what he said, so I can't really weigh in on any of it. But you know, I'll probably look oh. at it later just to educate myself about it. But 
Yeah, I mean, serious I, mistakes were made. He made serious mistakes. He did. No, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you know. we all do, right? So, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it. So, yeah. Can I, can I weigh in on it? Let's yeah, weigh in. Yeah, definitely. We're in it. Let's go. Um, I, what the what I saw that happened there was what they're what they they now call it institutional sexism or institutional racism it it's the sexism or the racism that is just a part of our social fabric now and that's what i saw play out there that i think he was trying to apply his solutions to something that it's it just falls outside of, like, I think his solutions are great when you've got a level playing field. But this issue that's come out is about not having a level playing field. And so I, real, I, he really stepped in it, and he revealed himself to be part of the problem. Um, and I, I, I mean, I watched the video and I just laughed. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what the whole Me Too movement is about. Blaming the victim and saying that the victim has some kind of problem because she's speaking out against being abused. That's the whole institutionalized part of it. Like, that's how I saw it. But, I mean, he did come around. I'm sure he went home, and I'm sure Sage ripped him a new one for what he did and talked to him about, dude, like, that's exactly the attitude that we're talking about, (laughs) you know, (laughs) blaming the victim. And he came out with an apology and said, "I, you know, I have a lot to learn. And, I I, I mean, I, I know him enough to know that he was caught up in the moment and his own stuff came out. And I, I think his, his apology is, um, it sounded sincere, you know, but man, he really stepped in it. I think he was as surprised as anyone else that, like, he didn't get it. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. I think he probably realized, like, oh, my God, I, I have this blind spot. That that's what I thought anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point is like he was trying to point out a blind spot too. So why why doesn't his blind spot also get treated as something to pay attention to? It's because he immediately gets put into part of the problem and so everything that he says can't be true around this topic. And that's where we lose. Everyone loses. He loses, we lose, because that's where the disc, the actual discourse is for us to say, oh, you know what? It's absolutely unacceptable, like that lady said. It's unacceptable for you to blame the victim. 100% agree. And also, is it possible that there are a lot of people who are caught up and are having a different need met that they don't even know about, like that they're being driven by something even beyond the abuse, you know, even beyond trying to find their voice. And I think that's what he was trying to say. But, like, 
this important part of psychology gets left out because he he made a mistake, you know? He he did. He he was a little too much. <laughs> so that's it's just I'm seeing it everywhere. It's not just the Me Too movement. I mean, I have a client right now who's um, trying to share a Me Too memoir, and you should see what she's trying to go, what she's going through. You know, the publication house like took her through the ringer um, on all of the permissions and what about you know, like she basically just pulled it and was like, "Fine, I'll self-publish this," because it's. You know, so I'm like I've been on I've been on the inside of that, watching the institutional brokenness. Um, so I totally get that. I just think God, you know, it's personal responsibility on both sides. It's the same thing in the coaching industry. It's not just the these gurus who are misbehaving. It's the fact that we are also continually paying them to do what they're doing. Like, there's personal responsibility here on both sides, you know? And that's what, that's what is supposed to be at, uh, at the heart of good conversations, right? Like, man, I really fucked up. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said. This yeah, all, this is all happening right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, and again, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to it. But you know, the thing that I that I do, the thing that I know about all the guru stuff is that the reason I wanted to actually study this book and invited people to do it with me is I did not want to pay not one more person to do something mm-hmm. that I yeah. felt like I could do for myself. You know, I felt like, okay, I can get together with a group of people and I can do this thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to hand it over to somebody else to do it. And, you know, and so I'm going to, I'm going to reserve judgment about Tony Robbins until I watch this stuff for myself. And, you know, and uh, I'm glad to hear you say, Alan, that, you know, his apology seemed sincere. and. You know, because that honestly, that is what I would expect of him. Like if he if he screwed up, I would expect him to come out and own it. And you know, and I wouldn't expect him to own it unless he meant it. Because I don't, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm just visualizing his personality, and I wouldn't expect him to like say, "Oh yeah, I screwed up, have it be trite." No, I mean something. So, you know, but yeah, I think that, you know. So I'm glad to know that. I'm going to reserve judgment on, on old Tony until I until I look at it. But you know, I also you know I also make space space for the fact that I I have royally screwed up in my life too. And so you know, the thing that I know for me is that you know being able to have a meaningful conversation about it is the thing that tears down the barriers and that that's the one thing that I see on anything and I'm going to take it away from the me too thing but just in general when we have people on opposing sides of issues you know I feel like everyone's yelling to be heard and nobody is listening to understand Mm -hmm. and 
I think that the change comes in the understanding. And I think it's a pendulum swing kind of a situation with most everything I've seen change. And just like watching it in my personal life, like, you know, with one of my kids and watching them go from one extreme, you know, to being an evangelical, super conservative Christian to go and like, you know, swinging way on the opposite end of the spectrum. And, you know, and all of it was loud. All of it was really loud. And all of it was demanding. And it was a demand to be understood. And it took time for there to be a willingness to understand what everyone around them was going through to try and, you know, figure out how to get on the bus. And, you know, so it's been a, and I, you know, and I went through my ups and downs with where I was at with all of it. So, you know, and, you know, I think that, I think, you know, trying to find some ways to hear each other is the thing that will ultimately change it. But I think that it has to get loud first. At least that's what I've witnessed over time in, in the world. You know, things have to get loud first and because it has to get to a certain level in consciousness. So, I mean, you know, but I, I thought that, you know, I mean, did you guys feel like you got to say what you wanted to say on that topic? I don't want to move on if we're have anything left lingering out there. I I had one other thing I wanted to say. Yeah. And that's that is that when they're like I I can't speak to racism. You know, I can't speak to the African American experience. Right? And I think that what I saw there was a man, a powerful man, trying to speak to an experience that he he can't ever understand. And I, I think that's the mistake. Like, no matter what he says, it's not for him to say something about it because he can't know what it's like to be a victim in that situation. Yeah. I think as a rule of thumb, that, and that's just my experience. Like, I, and I've stepped in it before on the racism issue, <laughs> and I've just learned I there's no way I could understand. I think I might understand, but I I just can't. And I I think he just it's just a rule of thumb. Like, you know, he should just not comment about it. <laughs> you know, I think he should just not comment about it. He stepped in it. I still, I still love him. He helped me a lot. Thank you. That is all. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that point. It's like, you know, he could have talked about a million other things to make his point about significance. <laughs> Use a historical example. <laughs> Not something that half of your room is super duper hot about right now. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's just like that was just a bad facilitator move right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oops. Let me let me let me a little gasoline on this fire already, you know. I think he was as surprised as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like how it ignited this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and it got very hot and passionate very quickly. So I think it's just one more part of this conversation 
that's going on. This, and I hate to say it's even a conversation again because people who can't possibly be victimized in that way really should just probably do mostly listening instead of like, oh, let's have a conversation around this. No, <laughs> I don't know that you have a lot to say about it, meaning, you know, the, the men. That may be short-sighted of me to say, but I don't think we want conversation. We just want to be heard. And keep your hands off our privates. <laughs> There's an idea. Unless invited. Keep your hands on keep your eyes on your own paper. Unless you're invited to look at my paper. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Did you guys see that, did you guys see that video that I posted the other day of uh, one of my friends talking to her 13-year-old about his sex ed class? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Well, I thought it was fascinating because this, this conversation, I think, you know, like you're saying, if you, if you haven't been a victim, hard to speak to anything about that, right? And it's also kind of important to have conversations to see how the current um, energy about things. This is, I know it feels like we're not talking about Wallace, but we are because he's talking about talking, like using only the good words, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, this is it because um, she interviewed her son. He's 13. He's like, he doesn't even look like he has a hormone in his body yet, right? And he's in um, sex ed. And instead of just teaching sex ed, now they're teaching um, signs of sexual abuse. And so the way that they're doing it, like the intention is good, right? You want to warn the girls. And you want to make sure that the boys are treating the girls well, right? Like, these are all good intentions. But the way that they're being executed, scary as hell. Like, if you put a, if you put a woman who has been abused or has someone in her life in front of that classroom, the way, and, and who hasn't done enough, like, healing, how is she going to make every boy in that room feel? And that's what ended up happening. She was like, well, you know, Statistics say that, um, I forget the percentage, like two-thirds or three-quarters of you will sexually abuse a woman. Like like, pulling, like calling out these 13-year-old boys, how is that helpful? Like how, you know, instead of like continuing to perpetuate this as the way that it is, like Wallace says, right? Like let's talk about what could be. What does it look like instead of these are the signs of, like, let's talk about what it, what it means to actually be respectful of the opposite sex of, you know, as you're going through this process wow. of being yeah. sexual, and, right? Like, yeah. and so, but it's being, you know, the people who, and then this makes sense, right? This is like the messenger industry too. You get, you get on board with the stuff that you have experience in, but if you don't have the healing that you need to be able to stand in front of a room and do a good job and honor without shaming the people who look like they could be your perpetrator, like, this is a problem. 
was it's just perpetuating because the healing isn't there. You know, it doesn't help anything to get in there and shame and 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 not even shame, but what are they doing to the subconscious of these kids? This kid had a mom who's like always asking him, like, are you sure you want to be thinking that? Like, he has a very mindful mom who has him being very mindful. So she noticed that he was sitting at the dinner table kind of forlorn and started asking questions. And he was like, I just don't like the way that I felt in class today. And so she kept asking questions, and then she ended up asking him if he would be go on tape talking about it. And But what about all the other boys? who are used to just receiving messages without asking questions or noticing their feelings about it. They're just being told that there's a good chance that they'll be a perpetrator and make a mistake. So where's where's the growing of personal responsibility in there? Where's the handing back to this is what could happen um, history shows this is what could happen. We all have this, you know, in our and our potential. So how do we make sure that we don't get there? Let's focus 90% of this lesson on that conversation. Because all the girls were like, yeah, my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And then all the boys were looking at each other like, you know, wanted to crawl under their desk. So... It's a very, it's a very strange time, you know, very strange. I mean, it's really, really important. And I think that my stress about it is that um, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm being asked to be a voice and I'm just like, okay, but I don't want to be like this voice and I don't want to be like this voice, <laughs> you know? Like, I want to be a voice, but I don't want to make another huge mess and um and also people are so trigger happy that will they hear me anyway or will they read a few lines and then be like oh she's in that camp and not listen to the rest because that's just kind of how the atmosphere feels you know it's really sad and i'm not even i'm not even you know, a victim, per se, of that particular, you know, in that particular way. I've got other places where that happened with me, but so it's really, I mean, I get it, you know, feeling like, God, I have to speak up about this, but I also don't want to be um, labeled or put in a box or treated like noise, you know, misunderstood. And also, I mean, on Friday, let me tell you, I was really about cutting some bitches. Like, I, that is not a time, like, I would have done what, exactly what I see some of these people doing online about Tony Robbins. <laughs> I was right there. I'm not saying I'm better than them. I was ready to write a video about all these stupid gurus who tell you, like, <laughs> ready. I see it in myself. I'm not lying. Um and also, I have something important that needs to be said. So what's the work that I need to do to be able to get there and do it from a place that is about building people up instead of tearing people down, you know, creating more solutions than perpetuating the problem. So 
What does Wallace say I should do? What would Wallace do? Yeah. WWWD. Yep. I always, I always try to come at it from a point of view of, in my experience, this is what I know about this issue. In my, this is what I've experienced. And if I come from there, then, I mean, people could criticize me, but I'm talking about what I know. You know what I mean? So in my experience. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is like I have enough um I have enough time in. Um I have enough time to be able to say, like, this is what I'm seeing. I have enough clients that I've watched be pummeled, you know, I have enough field calls that I've done that tell me that this is more normal than it should be. You know, where it's not really making it about me. Now it's like, this is just a bigger problem. We should talk about it. <laughs> Are you talking about the Me Too thing or the Guru thing? The Guru thing. Yeah. Because I don't have, I don't have any um, Me Too. I don't have any Me Too experience. I mean, I have Me Too experience, but not to the level where I would have any credibility. Um, and I also, because it's not part of my story, I don't feel compelled, you know. I feel compelled to listen. I feel compelled to be part of the healing solution and the conversation about, you know, what do we all really need right here? But but I can't pretend to know what it's like to be a victim there to that degree. Yeah. Well, Yep. I mean, for me on that, the Me Too thing, it's, you know, I saw a lot of people I know post and I didn't, I I didn't post about it. And it's not that, it's not that it's not a part of my personal story and I don't have any, any thoughts one way or another about other people posting. It just didn't, that didn't feel like the move I wanted to make for myself as a part of my healing and the, and the conversations I want to have on that topic. And Mm -hmm. so you know, just for me personally, that wasn't my personal, that's not, that's not my personal approach to it. And, you know, and there's other things like we talked about when I was at the retreat, you know, people were talking about the glass ceiling and, you know, and I felt like part of my, the space I was holding at that retreat was, you know, holding the space for the masculine that isn't like all of that, because I, yeah. I didn't want to be in an event where it was going to be men bashing like that's so far from what I'm about, um, and it's not that I don't have cause to be leery of men or distrustful of men, or frankly, you know, bash them a little bit. Um, but I, it's just not. That's not my choice. You know, that's not that's not the way I personally going to go about it. And so, you know, I have no no opinion for or against people doing the Me Too thing. I actually feel pretty neutral about people deciding to do it or not do it because I think it's all personal, you know, it's all everybody's personal choice. And, you know, I'm just, I just am more of a, like, approaching it in a different way. And, um, you know, and, like, this 
that when I was at the retreat and people were talking about the glass ceiling and I just said, like, it's not that I don't believe that that exists. I absolutely believe that's a thing. It's just my experience has been different. You know, that has not been my experience in my circumstances. And so I can't speak to it because I don't have any credibility to talk about it, frankly. (laughs) That's not been my struggle. And so I believe and honor the fact that it's been a lot of people's, but it hasn't been mine. In my experience, I have played in male-dominated things where, by and large, the men supported me, encouraged me, helped me, and were the reason I was able to accomplish what I could accomplish. And so for me, and I'm not saying the women weren't, it's just I was playing in playgrounds that were primarily men, so there weren't a lot of women around to support it. And and the ones that were, they were a little bit territorial in some regards. So some of them were helpful, some of them weren't. All of it's okay. It's where everybody was at, and I get it. You know, I totally, I totally get that, you know, and people had to fight hard for me to be able to do the stuff I do. So, you know, in a million ways, people have fought hard. So, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a complicated issue. And, you know, my approach has just been different than, you know, what some other people's approach to it has been. And, you know, I've, I've been kind of playing the dragons one person at a time, one conversation at a time when things come up. And, you know, at some point I may be more public about it, but it's not that I'm hiding it. I mean, I'll talk about it if I feel like it will be useful to somebody. And, but honestly, I feel like I did a lot for the cause by spending 17 months going to court constantly, getting somebody put behind bars because I feel like energetically I put out into the universe, you know, I'm not accepting this anymore. Like to the extent that I will go to court once a month for 17 months to fight this and slay this dragon and stand there in the court and say, this isn't a docket number. This is a person that's happened to a person, a real person, a live person. And, you know, so my my approach was, you know, had immediacy to it with my kid. And I was healing myself doing that for my kid. And so, you know, I'll talk about it with anybody who wants to talk about it. I'm just not, I'm not leading the charge. But I can, you know, when I see ways that I can contribute, I will. So, you know, which ultimately I feel like, honestly, is what this chapter is about, right? I mean, it's talking about wealth, but what I want to talk about is, where are we going now? What are we doing now to make things better? And I think at first we first have to know there's a problem, <laughs> like which I think that's been the gift of the Me Too is to see how widespread it was. And you know, I'll probably take heat for this in my life, but I think that the guys could have been in on the Me Too too because I think there were guys that were in a circumstance of being victimized very young. Um, and I think it affected their life, and so I think it isn't just a female issue. I know a lot of guys who have been sexually preyed on, and so for me, once again, it's a co-ed issue, right? So because it was somebody who was older and in a position of power that put them in a certain position to be victimized. And so, you know, I may take heat for saying that, but I've talked to way too many guys. And the reason they've talked to me is because, like, when I share in meetings and stuff, 
you know, when I'm asked to share my story, I share in a general way, and they all come up and say, I didn't know who to talk to about this. And so then they say, this thing happened to me. And I'm like, yeah, it's more common than you would believe. And, you know, you can heal from it. Because they're embarrassed. It's a different kind of embarrassment. So, you know, and I think that's what Wallace is talking about, you know, focusing on what, you know, where are we going from here? Like, I, I love this where he talks about, talk about the good time coming. The good time is coming and is is capitalized. And the rapidity of its coming is in exact proportion to the number of people who think about it and talk about it. So, you know, I love that. Like, what's the conversation? What's the conversation that's being had? How are we talking about it? And you know, I love that we can talk about this respectfully and that we're talking about it in the context of wanting it to heal. You know, if you can inspire one person to go to work for the coming city, like, you know, whatever the beautiful thing is that we're building, you have done more good than you can by sending 10 people out with slaves and plasterers to relieve existing distress. The masses are not in bondage to anything but ignorance and intellectual laziness. They can have what they will if they will begin to think. And the way to make them think is, hold on, i got to turn pages here, is to talk wealth. That is the philosophy for the mass. And the same applies to you as an individual. If the mass is not ready or willing to rise, you do not have to stay down with it. You can rise above it. But you can never rise above it if you keep talking about yourself as being down with it. Whoa. <laughs> Like, he's not playing in this chapter. He's, he's coming out guns of blazing, man. Guns blazing. Talk about the happy times you had in your youth and forget all the unhappy times. Yeah, no kidding. When I was at that retreat, I mean, my, my mom issues were up so much which, you know, would make sense because it's a spiritual retreat trying to integrate the masculine and the feminine. My feminine is a bit wounded. And there was still some little tentacles in there of stuff with my mom. And when I, I, I got to a point where I was like, oh, my God, I can't say the word mom one more time this week. Like, I'm choking on this. And so I was like, no, I don't want to be in that spot anymore. How am I growing out of this? Because I'm sick of talking about what happened. And now I just want to be like, where am I headed with this stuff? Because, you know, kind of like some stuff came up that I could see in a new way. And it was painful, but also it's good. It's a part of the healing. So, you know, talk about the happy times you had in your youth and forget all the unhappy times. And honestly, that's where I'm kind of at with this stuff, like with my family, you know, with that happened with my brother and my father and my mother like I, you know it was what it was and you know we say all the time you can't you know you can't change the past well I kind of can because today is going to be the past soon <laughs> and so if I do today different I'm rewriting my past and And then what did you say here? Do not tell how hard you used to work and how little you got for it. If you worked hard for nothing, you were a chump. You should not advertise yourself as a chump. 
I, seriously, when I read that, I laughed out loud. I don't know if anybody else had that reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, was like, I was like, okay. Tell us the good work you have done and of the good wages you got for it. Then you are advertising yourself as a competent person who can earn good wages. You don't talk poverty in any way. Don't refer to it as existing. Talk wealth. So, I, I don't know. I just felt like, and maybe it's just because I really needed to hear everything in this chapter, but I don't know. He, is it just me, or did he seem more brash in this chapter? Oh, yeah. He pulled no punches. Sorry? I'm with you on that. Yeah. He totally yeah. just, it was like he, I think I even texted you the day I was reading this the first time, like, holy shit, what was bottles of cheese in my hand? <laughs> Yeah, I think he said something about, wow, I can hear his personality in here or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot like, that was these chapters. Yeah. He's so, he's so, um, like, consistent and kind of monotone for everything else. And this one, it was like he couldn't, he couldn't or didn't want to damper his voice, his honest feelings about stuff. Yeah. It was like, Interestingly, it didn't strike me that way. It didn't. I I actually really liked this chapter more than a lot of the other ones. Um, I think it kind of lacked that. Um, you know, you know how I've commented before about his writing can be sort of like circuitous and flowery. Like, <laughs> it's like what is he actually saying? And in this chapter, it was so blunt and direct. It it was easier for me to digest. Yeah. Yeah, that that's those are exactly the words I would use to describe it too, Alan. Blunt and direct. That that's exactly you're exactly right. Or I should say I exactly agree because that's what I meant about it came out with guns ablazing. Like, you know, I've kind of got soft and held your hand through the whole rest of the book and kind of prepared you, and so now I'm going to leave you with this message: it's on you. <laughs> so do your job. Here's how to do it. Don't talk about this other stuff. Only talk about this. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And it 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 was it's very clear. It's very clear to understand his message on this chapter. So I liked it. I I mean I I don't I didn't see anything negative about it at all. I was just like whoa, he's like rest taxing it right here, so, which I enjoy. So yeah, I like one it. of the um one of the things I learned about myself by learning or by working in corporate America at all these, you know, coaching companies is that <laughs> is that I am very blunt and direct. And to me, I mean, I didn't know I was that way, but and it, it was kind of a, of, a, of a painful awakening. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember when I was younger thinking, I, and I thought this a lot in my life, like, what is this person trying to say? Just come out with it. Say what you want to say. And anyway, I, I appreciate um, not having to figure out what somebody's trying to say. So I, so I like this chapter a lot. But, um one of the lessons I, I had to learn is to um, 
not everyone appreciates um, blunt and direct. In fact, a lot of people really don't care for it. Yep. So that's a really good learning for me, but and I still struggle with it. I mean, obviously. No, it's, it's an interest. It's an interesting thing. Like we don't see how we are, right? Other people have to give us that feedback. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're talking to two people that have both been accused of the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're in similar company. <laughs> Good. I, I that, mean, does I that help at all? No, um, yeah, no, I appreciate blunt and direct. I hate trying to figure out what somebody's trying to say. Like, okay, I hear you're, you know, you can, like, especially people of an older generation would say things, um, to use that word again, it's circuitously, right? They'd dance around the issue and they'd say other things or use some kind of metaphor. And it's just so much work to, like, just tell me what you're trying to tell me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just say the thing. <laughs> say the thing. Yeah, exactly. Say the thing. I mean, it's not easy, especially if you're not raised that way. But somehow I just I just showed up on Earth that way. <laughs> For well, I showed, up, I showed up that way, and then I got it, like, beat out of me and so now it's like I often will hear my husband be like why don't you just say why didn't you just say that Uh, (laughs) I'll be like well because you know yeah I I have to relearn it which is why I struggle with these conversations because um my initial reaction to things when I was a kid and and actually for most of my life has always been, you know, that's too much emotion or that makes me uncomfortable or, you know, because I'm usually responding to, when I'm that intense, I'm usually responding to a very serious injustice or lie that is hurting me or other people. So, you know, it's very intense and people don't Mm. Especially if it means they have to look at themselves. God forbid. You're too much, too loud. <laughs> totally. Too quiet. Totally. Yeah, I know at the retreat, the intimidating word came up again. I'm like, oh, right, already. Like, got it. I already know this. Still figuring out how to just be at peace with it. Because it's not going away. No. Uh, oh, it's it's that like I I know what I know kind of thing. I was talking about that um, in the meeting. Remember last week you and I were talking. Um, yep. Amanda, you weren't here, but someone sort of sideswiped me and suggested that maybe I was being arrogant. But and I on reflection, like I always I try to think. Well, that's good feedback, right? Feedback is a gift. 
So instead of letting my feelings be hurt, it's like, okay, well, what is, she, you know, what is she trying to say that could help me? And, uh, but sometimes I don't know. And, and I don't think it just applies to women. I think if, if a person um, is confident and just presents themselves as I know what I know, I'm just going to say it. Right. That can come yep. off as intimidating. For sure. Yeah, and I think sometimes because it's 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 I didn't have this awareness till just now. When my father does it, people call it arrogance. Mm. That he's intimidating and arrogant. With me, they just use the word intimidating. They don't say they don't. They don't say arrogant. Nobody has ever said arrogance to me in relationship to that thing. It's just intimidating. Hmm. And I fought against that word for a long time because I'm like, I don't use intimidation tactics on people. Like, I, I, like oh. you know, oh. like, I, I, so I really fought against the word. Hmm. And, you know, and one of my BFFs was like, smile. It, it's not saying that you're using intimidation tactics. It's just saying that you're off-putting to people sometimes. And I was like, really? And she goes, hell yeah. You've intimidated me before. And I was like, get out of town. She goes, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. She said, when, you, when you've got something to say, you're going to say it. And it, 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 it's going to put people back on their heels sometimes. She said, I've been witness to it. And I'm not saying that you do it in a bad way or in a wrong way. I'm just saying <laughs> when you do it, it's like, oh, okay, she means business. And that's intimidating to a lot of people. Because maybe they're never going to do that. Even if they want to or need to, maybe they're not going to do it. Or just there's a, you know, energetically. And, it's you know, we've talked before about the intensity thing, right? So, and I, and I know that part. Like, I know that intensity piece. And I've had a lot of people tell me that. And, I mean, people, like, throughout time. Like, even one of my friends that's known me since I was a teenager, you know, and that's what he said, you know, like, you, you, you are, there's a lot of people that are going to be intimidated by you. You're like all roses and sunshine, but right underneath that is a really hardcore intensity. And people pick up on that. And it, it, it's intimidating. And he told me bluntly, it's, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be with you because of that thing. They don't want any, they don't want to be anywhere near that. And I was like, well, that's fine. But then I don't want to be with them either because I don't, you know, I don't want to have to be small in order to be with a guy. Forget it. Like, I don't want it. That's not my deal. Somebody is going to love me for me. So, speaking of talk that promotes, I have this, I have this practice of writing on my mirror with a dry erase marker on my bathroom mirror. I've been doing it for years. Hilariously now, at least one of my children also does it. So um, so I'm kind of finally in the space where I'm like, I'm, I'm opening myself up to the idea of a romantic relationship. Not chasing after it or anything, but I'm just, but I, I, I took the fuck you sign down off of my forehead. I took the fuck off sign down, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was, that, was that like. You know, because I, I joke that I have the Your Story Matters sign on my forehead, and I feel like that's indelible ink. Like, 
you know, even when I don't want to hear someone's story. Was it dry erase on your forehead or what? <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Ellen? Oh, I was asking Amanda. Amanda said, I feel like I have a something kind of sign on my head. Oh, I was receiving this, um, this too much intensity talk is makes me laugh because she said she had this fuck you sign on her forehead. And I said, I have a sign that says your story matters Aww. on my forehead. Like, I have Aww. to hear it. I love hearing people's stories, but even on the days when I really don't want to hear anyone's story, I still hear stories. <laughs> and so I was telling Cheryl that it feels like it's an indelible ink. Like, I don't get to get that off. So I'm glad she got, she figured out how to get the fuck you sign off. That must have been... <laughs> Must have been a dry erase pen that you wrote it on there with. Well, here's what I'm gonna say. I think it. I think it was more a fuck off than fuck you. So mm. I probably I, I said that wrong. So I think it was more of a fuck off. And I think that um, what I think it's it was disappearing ink. But ah. I think there are certain people that have a certain <clears throat> level of light that when they get close to me, it still shows. You know how yeah. they have that like disappearing ink, and then when you flash a light or whatever on it, it shows. I think there's certain vibration of people that when they get close to me, they're still going to see it. But other people will not because they're, they have a different kind of light that they're shining. So that, that's what I'm going to say. So I've just, I've decided to take this sign and, you know, like adjust the light frequency of it. And, um, and so I thought, okay. And one of my best friends has been like encouraging me to like, you know, just, well, actually, like a lot of the women in my life are like encouraging me just, to, could you just not be so resistant to it? Like you don't have to chase it, but could you just stop like having a posture of screw this? I was like, yeah, I can work on that. And so what I did just for myself was I wrote on the mirror in my bathroom, what are the qualities I want this person to have as a way to like make it visual. And I, and I have two sinks in my bathroom, so I put it over their sink the one they would use when they come to spend the night. Not move nice. in, just spend, the, just spend the night. So I wrote all of it over there on the mirror in front of that sink. And here's the great part. When I got done writing it, I, would, I looked at it and I was like, oh, that list is me. Mm. Like all the stuff that I wrote on the list, it was me. And so I looked at that and I thought, wow, I'm not trying to find somebody that has, that fits, that fills holes in me or gaps in me as a person. The list that I wrote is actually a list of, of an equal, somebody that has similar attributes. And because unless they're additive, I don't want them in my life. Like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't. I, unless they're additive, I don't want somebody that's going to come in and disturb the peace, raise cane, create a bunch of drama. Like, I'm not interested in that. So they have to be additive. And, but when I looked at that list, two things struck me. One is that it was me reflected back to me, which I don't know why that was so inspiring to me, but it was. Because I think it's because I'm not looking for to try and fix myself with somebody else to have qualities I don't feel I have. And the second thing was, I know that person exists because I already know her in the female form. 
So it's not like I'm looking for a, a pink giraffe or a unicorn that doesn't exist. Like, I exist, therefore, all of that can exist in another person. It's not, I'm not looking for something that's like so crazy and out of line that there's no way it could happen. And that actually was super like, like, I don't know, consoling isn't the right word, but inspiring. That's the word I'm looking for. It was kind of inspiring to me. It was an awakening of like, oh, cool. Instead of thinking that I've written something down that's like never going to happen because it's way too far out of reach. And so, you know, we talk in this book all the time about, you know, um, believing in the truth regardless of appearances. And so when I saw the list and I recognized that it was me that was on the list, then I was like, oh, I can believe in the truth that that person exists and that, that they're here even though they're not physically here yet. Because one of the two of us is already physically here. And does that make, do you under, I don't know if you, I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, it's totally making sense. Totally. So, yeah, so I, did, I never would have thought that something as silly as writing that list with a dry erase marker on my mirror would have been such a profound exercise for me. But I was like, wow. And it gave me a lot of peace. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, I'm already in the vibe. I'm already in the vibe. So all I have to do is just stay in my own hula hoop, in my own vibe. And everything else is already taken care of. Yeah, that's awesome. Very, yeah, it's a very transformative Amazing. thing for me. So, yeah, so now, whatever. It's going to be when it's going to be. And just being able to recognize that and be in a place of peace of let's not be unattainable. It's not some fantasy that never can happen. So it was an interesting exercise. So I'll let you know how it all unfolds. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I love that you put it over his sink. What a fun, what a fun um, little screech you'll hear from the bathroom when he comes over. Right? What the hell? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well. So I'm I'm actually writing that person into existence in my life. That's how I look at it. I'm actually just writing them into existence at that sink. I love it. So reminds me. I was laughing when I saw. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. My did you see the thing from the universe today? No, I didn't. I didn't look at it. I feel it says. Whatever you focus on, you'll experience. So when you talk about what is or what was, even if you're just explaining it to a friendly ear, I guess I should have done this before we talked this morning. You project <laughs> more of the same into the future. If you ask more than you give thanks, you believe less in your own power. If you insist that it's hard and that you're lonely, you'll find that it is and you are. Or you can just choose to focus on what you like, what you love, and how very photogenic you are. Hallie Ho. Whatever you focus on, you'll experience. Well, there it is. 
and see. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's right. just one of those, you know, and I think this is like, this always comes up when I'm talking about Wallace because, because I'm like 100% in and also like, it wouldn't be healthy for me to have spent the last three days trying to be like, well, this is the future that I want. Like, I needed to be really mad. You know, it's part of part of my own healing process. Like, to keep ignoring all of that, like, that's what it's doing. It's bringing up the parts that, have, that I have been, that have been ignored in myself and other people, which is why there's so much energy around it. So if I let the energy come and move, then, okay, now I can build a future. <laughs> From a much better place, because now I don't have all that shit in there. <laughs> yeah. I just, and, I'm always reading yeah. his stuff like, yes, I'm going to get there. I just need two days of crying or raging or... <laughs> I don't know. Could be wrong, but it doesn't feel good to just pop myself into the best potential future. I can give myself like a two-hour tantrum, right? <laughs> well, I do. I mean, for me, that's, I totally relate to that. Like, I just have to have a moment to feel whatever I'm feeling or experiencing it so that I can actually let it go and get, you know, and be, that's what allows me to get on that higher frequency. And, you know, I think the book is aspirational, right? It's telling us what to get to, and if so, if we're not trying to do it, we could be pitched in a tent. I mean, you know, right. could be pitched in a in a tent in that mess for, you know, thinking of a family member for 40 years, you know, still resentful about something that's 30, 40 years old, and I mean, like deeply angry, rageful, resentful about it, and they carry it with them all day, every day, and you know, so I think it's the juxtaposition of that versus okay, well this thing happened and it's hurtful and it makes me angry and I'm frustrated and I'm going to have that for a couple of days, then I'm going to move on. So, you know, for me, being able to own it and let myself feel it when it's going on or as soon afterwards as possible is the thing that lets me release and then, you know, be in that higher vibration. So I just don't, I don't have to live there anymore. You know, I don't have to live in that village anymore. Oh, I get it. It's pretty funny to give my son the the inside scoop last night because I just was like at the end and I need someone to go with me to the laundromat. (laughs) And he's like, Mom, I haven't seen you this mad in a long time. And I was like, it'll be over soon. It's okay. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to, I mean, you can laugh because it's laughable. Like I was laughing at myself while I was in it, you know, trying to like keep it as light as possible, but. Hopefully, be truthful. Am I am I supposed to know what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, I just last night was like my last straw. Like I had basically ten days of just being like immersed in conversation and stories about what happens when people who have responsibility appear to not give a shit and or don't take responsibility for what they said they would do. And so then last night after, like, I was trying to do, my dryer just 
it started smelling like it was going to turn on fire. After we've told the landlord like three times that we need a new dryer, and he's, he hasn't even responded, like hasn't even acknowledged the problem. And so at 10 o'clock at night, I was raging on my way to the laundromat with my son. <laughs> I should be going to bed. Uh, I have a 10-hour day tomorrow, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. And he was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> But hey, you know what? Sometimes dirty hair curls better than the other. I'll send you that picture afterwards. I'll just have to, have to put the, the light, you know, from the forward instead of, you know, on top of my head. <laughs> Actually, no, while we were sitting here and we were talking about this, this lady said, she just texted me and said, um, I'm not feeling well today. Can we reschedule? It's probably better for us to reschedule today. (laughs) Uh, (sighs) Well, what are we going to do now, ladies? Are we going to do that thing you were suggesting, Ellen? Or do you get what's the what's your? I know last week you were saying you hadn't really. Necessary. Some pals. Did you go back to it? Yeah, I went back to it, and um, before we met this morning, and I thought, uh, I'm gonna let me pull it up here. It's uh, the strangest secret by Earl Nightingale, and I think it's I think it's good. It's about uh, nine full pages long, so and I so I think reading the entire thing. Uh, it's it's more than we're used to digesting in a week. It's a lot more words. So, yeah, as I scroll, I'm looking at it. And I've highlighted a lot of things in it. Uh, so, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, are you guys interested in going through it and then going back to Wallace Waddles? Um, I, personally, I'm very open to it because it's it's basically the same. It's the same thought, right? I mean, it's the same information just written in somebody else's voice. That, at least that was my interpretation. You tell me if you hear it differently, but from my perspective, yeah, it's basically the same stuff we've been stu- studying, but from a different angle in a different voice. And I don't think there's anything controversial. And I. You know, so I'm happy to do it. Um, I didn't prepare anything for it in terms of, you know, looking at it or trying to divide it up or schedule it or anything. Um, but I'm happy to, personally, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, I think when I when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, it's just, you know, I agree with you. It's, just, it's over a few weeks. I don't think it's a one-week thing. Um, I mean, we could, but. It, it's a lot of information in a week. So I, I think your idea of chunking it up makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Amanda, my, do you have any thoughts on it? I'm open to it. I kind of like the idea of um, throwing something else in the mix. 
with this one that we have now. Oh, good. Well, I, I have an idea of how we can chunk it out. So why don't I email you guys the, the PDF that I'm going off of, like the actual content. And then um, the way that it's broken out, it's about nine pages um, single space, like typewritten. And the, the first uh, eight pages or so are, uh, you know, he's conceptualizing. And then the last page, he talks about his 30-day action idea. His, I guess it's an action plan. So what I was thinking is that for next week, <clears throat> why don't we read the – I'll, I'll email it to you, but like read the, the intro and the action plan. So we'll kind of skip ahead to the action plan part so we can have that running in the background as we then go through the rest of the material. Because if we if we wait, if we read like two pages a week, we'll it'll take us a month to even get to the action plan part. Yeah, I I agree. I read I already read the whole thing. Like yeah. The, the day that you sent it, that day I read the whole thing, and then I got to the action plan, and I was like, yeah, we got to like look at that first. And so. Can okay, you well, I send that resend it to me because I don't know that I. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll oh, wait. Out. Earl Nightingale. Yeah, um, it's on my desktop. It's waiting for us. It's waiting for me right Ooh. now. Ooh, nice. Okay. So, do you want you want me to tell you now how I had it chunked out? Whatever you like. Or do you want me to email it to you? Because I, I thought I would do the work to, to chunk it and give you a break, unless you want to do it. Oh, I would love it if you did it. Okay. I'll chunk it and then and email it to you, both both you guys. And then, but just what we'll, I think what we'll do is the first week we'll do about the author and the action plan. And, the, and I, I think it would be cool if we could each commit to the one item that we're going to work on. Because I guess you pick one issue to um, to work on for 30 days. When you read the action plan, you'll understand. Okay. Sounds awesome. I'm down. I'm down with it. All right. Thanks for, thanks for doing that work, Ellen. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it's the least I could do. Thank you for keeping us on a schedule for all these many, many months. Happy to do it. You know, self-serving. You guys know. I'm not even pretending like it's not. <laughs> it keeps me on track. Oh my God. You know, it's it really illustrates one of the um, one of the things he talks about so much is to have an area of uh, of of cert or well, now I'm mixing the two authors up, but you know that just that the exponential um, impact that we can have. You know, you're doing something for your quote unquote for yourself, but the value that you're giving is so much more. Well, I am grateful that we have this group of each other to trudge this road together. As 
man, it's made a difference in my life. So. All right, ladies, anything else for today? Nope, go get them. All right. I'm off the run. My, my commitment is to not be intellectually lazy this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna follow suit with that. I'm gonna try not to be intellectually or spiritually lazy. That is my commitment, so we'll see how I do. <laughs> mm. All right, I'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank Take you. care.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.